Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, For those of you who've been following along online, we're working through Julia Cameron's book this month, The Prosperous Heart. And the idea of The Prosperous Heart is that for us to, how should I say this, just enjoy more of life, it really only requires one simple thing, and that is to open our heart. We don't have to have elaborate schemes and plans. We don't have to worry overly around how we show up in the world or what we're involved in. If we wish to live the good life, it's as simple, well, simple, as opening our heart. And so, of course, then we've spent all month trying to explain how we go about opening our heart, right? In this world that's so filled with, uh, with strife and, and trouble, with this world where it seems like we're uh, divided up among politics and all kinds of different things. How do we find it in our hearts to open? How do we, how do we move through some of the trouble that's going on and have the open heart? Well, last week, you know, remember we talked about forgiveness and it's such a, an important concept. It, of course, we're even having a workshop coming up this next Saturday. And what we learned was that forgiveness of self is just as important as forgiveness of others. When we hold resentments against ourselves, when we have regrets about what we've done around in the past, all of these kinds of things tend to close our heart down. And when our heart is closed, when we don't have the ability to to feel like we're, we're living in the midst of joy, when we're living in the midst of a world that, that actually wishes us well, And in particular, when the person withholding that love and joy is our own self, that is a huge block. So we finished up talking about self-forgivingness unburdening the heart, the relief that comes with letting go of some of the things that we did in the past that we're not too happy about. Well, today we're going to talk about a couple other things that can weigh us down, that can have the closed heart. And in the book, Julia Cameron calls them velocity and generosity. So, okay, I got some splaining to do. I know I do. Let's start with the idea of velocity. And I can't think of a better way to describe the idea of velocity than my summer reading project. So so every summer, I swear I'm just like 10 years old sometimes, right? Remember when you were 10? I did your town have a library summer reading project? Well, I'm still doing it a few years later. And my summer reading project this year were some of the old English classics from the early part of the 20th century. And one of my favorite ones, and Alfred Hitchcock made a movie out of it, was Rebecca. So whether you've read the book, whether you saw that Alfred Hitchcock movie, you probably have an idea. It's full of suspense, full of uh, a lot of drama going on. One might even say melodrama. But I was envious. Let me explain why. It wasn't the drama. It was the pacing. So picture yourself living on a lovely country estate and someone wants to hassle you. They have to make an appointment. (laughs) The phone rings. They're having dinner. They just let the phone ring. 
It rings a few more times. They let it ring. Finally, after dinner is complete and the phone rings for, I don't know, the 39th time, someone gets up and answers it. Oh, I'll ask. Mr. DeWinter, are you receiving visitors? Sorry. <laughs> right? It took this person wanting to hassle the DeWinters like, I don't know, two weeks just to get an appointment. Now, of course, think about it. You have two weeks to prepare for someone who's coming to hassle you. Imagine the luxury of that, right? It's like, I can be completely gracious. I have time to prepare. There's nothing I have to worry about. Let them come. Let's compare that to yesterday. I counted. I got 127 emails. I got 27 text messages. I got 385 social media well, on some systems they're called winks, and in some systems they're called nudges and instant messages. And when I add it all up, it was like, if I was the DeWinters, it would be like a hundred people were on the doorstep hounding me all day long. This is the concept of velocity. Are you in charge of your own time? You know, this month we've been talking about our resources. We've been talking about abundance in terms of money, abundance in terms of love. Have you thought of one of your greatest resources of abundance is time? It's refilled every single day. Every single day you get another day's worth of time. You always get the chance to, to start over, to do over. Every day when you wake up, it's that chance at a fresh start. And you... And only you have the power to invest your time. And you can invest it wisely. You can invest it frivolously. You have complete control. Now, some of you might be arguing, well, Larry, what about those 127 emails you got? People are probably wanting something. Yes, but I learned from the DeWinters I can just let them sit in my mailbox. Now, you might think that's rude, especially if some of you were the one yesterday that sent me an email, right? I already owe a few of you an apology, probably. And yet I would put it to you, you have the power to control the pace of your life. You have the power to set boundaries on how your time is used. You don't have to have your cell phone on all the time. You do not have to feel like your life is 300 miles an hour when you're only capable of going about 50 miles an hour. And yet, isn't there the tendency to do just that? Isn't there the tendency when someone knocks at the door, when someone sends you an email, when someone nudges you or uh, does a DM, am I using the right words? <laughs> uh, when someone does that, that it's a call to action. They want something. These are people that are important. These are people that are your friends. These are people that need something from you. Now, some of them are advertisements, and I, I've figured out how to get my uh, spam folder to be nice and full. A lot of them just managed to find their right, right into the bulk mail. 
But I still get probably about 50 or 60 people a day that want to have some kind of interaction with me. And I bet you do too. How do you invest your time? I have an idea. If you were investing in other things, you would say to yourself, I need to invest in some things that are important to me. So if, for instance, you're doing investing in the financial markets, you probably have some kind of a goal, either to do sustainable funds or, or maybe short-term profit funds. You, you'd have some kind of goal in mind. When your financial planner came up to you and said, well, okay, you have this money to invest, how, you know, how do you want it to go? You would think about it, and then you would come up with an answer. Do you invest your time in ways that are important to you. Now think about it for a minute. Every day we're given 24 hours, and I think a lot of times it's the gift that we don't even think about very much. It's the gift that's given, but not a lot of thought is into it. We get up, we turn on the radio or the television, we you know make breakfast, some of us go off to work, some of us have hobbies. But do we really think about today, I can make an investment in myself, in the world, in my family, in a hobby, in some uh, self-betterment program, in my neighborhood, in my city. I have an actual asset here that I can invest. Well, after reading Rebecca, I'm kind of thinking that I have some work to do because I'm not that careful about it, not as careful as the De Winters were. When the phone rings, I tend to just pick it up and go, okay, what, what do you need? Well, I, I, I can try to fit that in tomorrow, right? And I bet a lot of you are like me. Is that using my time wisely? Sometimes the answer is yes. I'm always up for helping a friend. I actually think that's a good investment. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying we should ignore calls for help. But I also respond in the same way to lots of other things that probably are not on my list of actual things that I want to necessarily support with my time and my efforts. It's a bad habit that I have that when someone, someone captures my attention through some kind of media, well, there goes my time. And I also have a bad habit, I have to say, when I've put together uh, some certain amount of effort, like on, especially Mondays and Tuesdays when I'm usually here in the office, it's usually a really long day for me. I, I do some work for the church at home, then I come in, I'm in the office, I teach classes usually on Monday or Tuesday nights, often that's a really long day. And so then what do I do at the end of the day? Television. <laughs> I have to admit it, television. And the more mindless television, the better, I swear, sometimes. Now, is that a good investment of my time? Some of you might say, well, you deserve a little break. Yeah, I certainly deserve to switch gears. But is mindless television sort of consumerism of bland, <laughs> I don't know, maybe I'm watching the wrong shows, right? You're going, well, I happen to watch educational programs. <laughs> and, and so I, I'm, I'm with you there. I realize that the television isn't just a mindless source of entertainment. It can be, but it doesn't have to be. And I guess that's my question then for you. Are you investing your time wisely? 
Are you being like the De Winters, where what's important is the people around me right now? I'm sitting down to dinner with the people I love. Let the phone ring. Let the emails come. I'm going to turn the phone off. I'm enjoying the time with my family, and there isn't anything much more important than that. Okay, well, enough about velocity. I think you get the idea. I want to read a joke, though, that I think you might enjoy. So this morning I was walking my dog when all of a sudden I heard a strange whooshing sound, and out of nowhere a guy appeared on the sidewalk in front of me. He was wearing really strange clothes, and he was staring at a small device in his hand. He looked up and approached me. Excuse me, this might sound a little strange, but can you tell me what year it is? Are you a time traveler, I asked. Well, he nodded, but don't tell anybody. I'm in enough trouble as it is. I think I've managed to mess up the temporal coordinates completely. Don't worry, your secret is safe with me, I said. The year is 2021. And I'm sorry that you had to arrive at such an awkward point in time, honestly. His face turned pale. Oh dear, he said, 2021? Well, it could be worse. At least I got here before the eruption. <laughs> and so my question is, are you making assumptions about the future? When it comes to making an investment in time, are you making an investment in plans and machinations and, and ideas for the future that may or may not ever come to fruition? Now, don't get me wrong. I think planning is a good thing. I think, in fact, I often have a plan and a backup plan. But I will tell you, I do not have a big emotional investment in my plans. Because what I know is my plans, more often than not, need to be adjusted. And by adjusted, often thrown away would be another way of saying that, right? Stuff happens. And so whenever I detect in my own heart that I have a big emotional investment in what's going to happen, I am setting myself up for what? Disappointment. And what I think is interesting about this idea, too, is it doesn't seem to matter whether the plan goes better or worse. I'm still disappointed. So, so let's say I have a, some kind of an event planned, and I have it planned out to the ninth degree, and I'm feeling good about it, and it's going to go just this way. And then let's say the concert gets canceled. So I'm disappointed, right? And in my disappointment, I miss the fact that my date and I could have actually had an even better time than going to the concert. You see, life is full of possibilities. And when we have planned a certain thing that doesn't go the way that we hope, and whether it's for ourselves, whether it's a family member, I, I know someone was disappointed because their daughter had not got on the swim team. And he was so disappointed, I think he made it difficult for the whole family. And you know what? She didn't want to be on the swim team. She liked debating. She was happy as a clam on the debate team. And here he was, in his plans for the future, disappointed in himself and disappointed in the daughter. 
It's like, what's up with that? And so the other part of time, the other part of this idea of velocity, pacing number first, yes, but the second thing we need to know is that having a huge attachment to the way time plays out is usually a huge attachment to future disappointment. When we hold the reins of time loosely, when we're free to live more in the present moment and what it represents to us, when we're eager to find joy in what's going on right now, not saving up for the future, not dwelling in the past, but when we're fully present right now and looking forward to enjoying right now, the next moment and the next moment and the next moment, we are never disappointed. Okay, enough about velocity. You know, I'm supposed to talk also about generosity. And I could tell you, I could come up with three or four sermons on the subject of generosity. But I'm going to summarize it in two key points. First of all, that's about all we have time for. Uh, but second of all, I swear to you, if you get these two points, and I have a short story to go with each one of them, it's all you need to know about generosity. So the first one is generosity is simply necessary for circulation. If you want love in your life, you have to give love away. If you want joy in your life, you have to show other people your joyousness. If you want a peaceful life, my gosh, you better be peaceful in your approach to other people and other situations. And if you want to have money in your life, you better be giving some of it away regularly and routinely and with the same freedom that you would like to receive money back towards you. It's basically all I need to say about the element of circulation as it relates to generosity. I will tell you a story though. So some of you may know most spiritual centers right now are having some trouble. This whole pandemic thing has got people spooked and when people are spooked they tend not to give. It's just the way it has been working the last couple years. And so last year when we were faced with a significant downturn in ties, there was this thought, well, maybe we should stop tithing. Maybe we should reduce what we give to home office one of the sources of our tithing out of the world. Maybe we should cut the number of charities that we give to. We give to uh, 12 different neighborhood charities here in the north and northeast area. Maybe we should cut it down to six this year. I got to tell you, I wasn't having any of it. And that discussion did not go very far because what I know is if we want to be prosperous, if we want to be well thought of, if we want to be loved, if we want to be in that circulation of life and good, we got to do our part. We actually increased a little bit of our giving and within a few weeks, they announced the payroll protection plan from the Small Business Administration, and we were given a check for $14,000. So what I know is that when we give, we receive. That when we are willing to stand for what is important to us, and what is important to us is our neighborhood, is our family, is the people we reach out to. And when I am lavish in my giving, I receive lavishly back. So that's the, the one key thing that you need to know if you want to be prosperous, and it applies to any area of your life, from finances to love, Give as much of it away as you can do comfortably 
and it will be returned to you completely. All right, I have one more thing to say uh, about this idea of generosity, and I'll tell you a story about my grandmother. So my favorite grandmother was a giver. Oh my gosh. And she did all kinds of handcrafts. So you were always getting something that my grandma made, whether it was a scarf or a sweater or a doodad or a toilet paper holder that was crocheted or whether it was paper plates made into a turkey that could sit on a certain way on the table at Thanksgiving. I think I'm giving a picture of my grandma. And I would also say as she got older, something about her vision went a little funky because, oh my gosh, the colors that those sweaters started coming in after a while. Let's just say if you wore them out in the woods, you wouldn't have to ever worry about hunters. <laughs> now, the good news is she was a giver but she was not a gracious giver. So what'd you think of that sweater I gave you? We're coming up to Thanksgiving, looking forward to seeing that fabulous turkey that I made seven years ago for you. <laughs> oh, you're off to college now. I noticed those pictures of you. Uh, where was the scarf I gave you? It looked like a cold day. That scarf would have been useful, I bet. The lesson here is the intention of your gifts will also be reflected back to you. It's not how much you give. It is your intention around the gifts. And if you give your gifts with strings attached, I have bad news for you. All of the gifts coming to you <laughs> will have strings attached as well. These are really the only things you have to know about generosity. Everything else is almost incidental, but I'm going to go over them one more time. You have to give in order to receive. You have to be part of that flow of life. Otherwise, the flow of life just thinks you don't want to participate and you find yourself in an island with the water all around you but never coming to you. You have to participate in giving. You just have to. And it, it works to the degree that you feel comfortable in doing it. When you start seeing yourself going, Ugh, then you're gone too far. You need to be able to do it freely. And in fact, I've made a, a uh, a pact with myself. You know, oftentimes people might ask me for a loan, and what I know is a loan is dangerous territory. And so I simply made a pact with myself. I will never loan anyone money ever, but I often will just give people money freely. And when I do that, I do not check up on how that money was used. In fact, I go with the idea that they might spend it on booze. They might spend it on who knows what. The gift for me is in the giving. The gift in me is participating in that free flow of life. And if I start attaching myself to the gift so that I'm getting something out of it. I'm giving this to you, but I better make sure you wear it, that you spend it right, that it goes where I think it would be. 
then it's not really a gift. Then it's some kind of an emotional hostage situation going on. And that, sadly, was the way often we felt with that grandma. You'd open the present up at Christmas and you'd hold up the sweater and, like, what would you say? I mean, right at, at nine years old, I had learned to say, Oh my, what bright colors, <laughs> right? Because what could you, you were being held emotionally hostage. Now that wasn't Granny's intention. Granny, of course, loved me dearly, loved all of us dearly. She made the gifts out of love, but she didn't understand how gracious giving works. All right, so let's summarize today. I think I managed to get through these two subjects okay. So time is one of our most important resources. We're always given more of it every single day. But it is up to us how we spend that resource, how we use that time. Now, you can give it up to others, right? You can do whatever the email says. You can respond to every single phone call and say, I'll get right on that. But does that really fit in with what is important to you and what you value? And your homework today, we're wading right into it, is I would like you to try a week where you budgeted your time. If you're willing, go home today, get out a calendar, Think about what you want to accomplish in the world. Now, that doesn't necessarily be work-related either. What is it that you personally value and would like to see further progress in? And I challenge you to schedule it on that calendar. If your family is the most important thing to you, where have you scheduled date night? Where have you scheduled time with your children? Where have you scheduled the, the dinners together or the afternoons together or a trip together? If you have not done that, the subtle message is your family isn't that important. I haven't even scheduled any time with them. If uh, bettering your education is important, you know, where is it on your schedule? Do you study on Tuesday nights? And you might say, well, I'm not even in a class. And I would say, you don't need to be in a class to study, right? We can always make an investment in ourselves of time for something we want to learn how to do or something we want to get better at. So that's your homework this week. And I'm only asking that you do it for one week. Try scheduling your week so that your time is thought of as an investment. We also talked about the idea of living more in the present moment, that there can be that tendency to think of the future needing to be a certain way. And when we do that, we're setting ourselves up for what? For disappointment. The future is often very different than we imagine. Luckily, we're here today before the eruption right? It's like you never know. Let's go out and, and love up our family and friends this afternoon, right? Today is the only day that you can accomplish your goals. You can hope that you accomplish them tomorrow, and you already lost sight of them for yesterday, right? So today is the day that you get to do the things that are important to you. Today is the day that you call that friend you haven't talked to in a long time. Today is the day that you make an investment in yourself. And then finally we talked about those two pieces of generosity. Keep giving. 
Giving is the lifeblood that brings to you all good things. When you give of your time, your treasure, your talent, your joy, your happiness, it is always returned to you in like kind. And give from that place not only of generosity in terms of amount, but from that place of the gracious gift. Give your gifts without strings attached. Give your gifts to be used freely because that is how you would like to receive things in the world. You don't want to be beholden to people. You don't want that emotional blackmail. So let us not do that to other people. Let our gifts be so very freely coming. Not, not I'll love you if you will do this for me, but just, I love you. So I'm going to close with a, a quote from the book and a prayer. This is how she ends the chapter on generosity. She says, Generous is defined as liberal in giving and sharing. To feel truly prosperous, we must find a balance, the place where we are comfortable with the flow of money and energy. We are not miserly with ourselves or others. We are not spendthrifts either. Instead, we must strike a happy middle ground. Claiming God is our source, we are not thrown off by worldly events. And at all times and in all circumstances, we can depend upon a higher power for support. Our emotional coffers are always full. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, just this one thing. I choose to call it God, but by whatever name you know it, it is all there is. That means me, that means everyone within the hearing of my voice. We are all individualized centers of God consciousness. And what I know is that that infinity of God is ours to use, an infinity of love, an infinity of joy, an infinity of peace and abundance, that, that all of it, all of it, is ours to use as we can accept it in our hearts and in our minds. I know that includes the idea of time. I know that there is plenty of time to do the things that are important to us and that it is ever easier to let go of the things that really aren't important to us. And lastly, I affirm and know that the generous heart is the heart that is open to give and to receive, to give and receive love, to give and receive money, to give and receive the peace and joy that's in our hearts. This is the nature of humanity. This is the law of generosity. And so I'm thankful for this. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Well, thank you so much for being here today. It's lovely, lovely to have people back in person again. Many blessings, of course, to our Facebook friends as well. But what a pleasure to have people here in the sanctuary again. Uh, now is our time of conscious giving. I invite you, if you like, to take your gift in your hand. Uh, those of you online might want to go to our website at cslportland.org slash donate. And if you'd like, you can repeat after me. Generously I give, Generously I give. from a place of love, knowing that as I give, so do I graciously receive. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. 
If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.